Mace, patrol guide, shield. segment last series of you're done retirement in law enforcement how long can you live what can you do why are you done how come nobody really cares that's the segments that we've covered now on today's show we had a guest uh, that was going to come on from a retired council but um, besides playing uh, email tag we couldn't get them to uh, commit to a specific time and so forth or, uh, for whatever reason and we'll get into that in a moment so can't hold up progress got to move forward got a lot of things on the agenda we got to do 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 move 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 so I don't have time um, to play uh, email tag <laughs> so that will not be going down <laughs> earlier described. But what we will do is that we're going to have a good series closer on You're Done. And we're going to basically look at everything that we've talked about, kind of hit on those points, and come to a good conclusion. And we're going to have some something called a hot list that we're creating now. The hot list is topics that we put to the side and as we continue to create our library of podcasts we have these hot topics that we come up with when we get a guest or somebody that might be a mover or a shaker in in the industry that we were talking about we'll throw that hot topic at them so we get these topics moving forward hopefully more and more people get involved. So let's start in a moment. Program notes. You want to connect to L Police Radio. How do you do it? First thing you want to do is you want to go to Google. You want to type in L Capital Lima 
L, police, that's one word, radio. And it's going to pop up. There's going to be a series of things that are going to pop up. And, of course, from there, you can go ahead and connect with us. Our website, lpoliceradio.com. It's that simple. Connect and become part of what we're building. You know, recently somebody told me, how does podcast work? And I go, have you ever been in a library? Yeah. There's a lot of books in there, aren't they? Yeah. Can you read them all? No. But if you're looking for a specific topic, can you tap into that resource? Sure can. That's a podcast. So we build libraries here. Again, this isn't my first uh, run, my first rodeo I podcast in 2007 to 2014, 150 shows on a rinky-dink network, and now we're doing it uh, once a week. New podcast always come out on Thursday, and we're building, building, building. One thing I've noticed from when I was doing podcasting in 2007 to 2014, seven years, it was so easy to get people to come on your show. You called them, you emailed them, whatever uh, medium that you used, and they couldn't wait to, to jump on. It was easy. All they had to do was call you. And now, I think because podcasting has been around for so long, thanks to iTunes and so forth, they now kind of shy away. Podcasting has been used uh, for so many mediums, and people don't feel comfortable as they might have before. So where I'm not, I'm not going to be uh, dishonest here. I'm having difficulty with some major agencies to come on the podcast. You, you've got to talk to like 15 freaking people to get one person to come on for 15 minutes. And I can tell you this, it's not worth my time. So here we continue to build the library. Another issue I want to discuss. Recently, I had a chief of a former agency that I worked for and basically told me, why are you doing that? Why are you wasting your time with that? Why don't you get involved in something else? And kind of my take on the whole conversation was, have you subscribed yet? And the answer was no, so that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> Buddy, my years of service are my lived experience. And as a result of that, I have stories and stories and stories that I can tell on what worked <laughs> and the best part, what didn't work. And I will share those regardless of who likes it and who does Now, we're going into our next series after this, and we're going to start looking at the Ivy League of Domestic Terrorism is the name of the series. And, of course, encouraging to listen to this because it's going to identify your agency. Hopefully, you're not on the list. Hopefully, this hasn't happened to you. And hopefully, it will not happen to your agency. But it's an epidemic all over the country. As the Ivy League of Domestic Terrorism is sucking in law enforcement, left and right, 
said. So tune in. Uh, that's uh, coming up on our next series, which starts. Uh, I, you, you never have a calendar in front of you when you need it. Did you ever notice that? When you don't need it, you got 15 of them in front of you. We're sorry, your call uh, cannot be completed as dialed. Please check the number and dial again. This is a recording. December uh, 10th, 12th, 15th. Keep writing it down until I really figure out what the real date is. Okay, Mm, December 14th. December 14th through December 28th, we will run the Ivy League of Domestic Terrorism. encourage you to listen. Now, on the You're Done series, we looked at a lot of issues on retirement. And one of the hot topics that I want to come up with uh, right now is the issue of of retired law enforcement being used as a part-time basis in law enforcement agencies all over the country. One of the primary reasons for that is because we live in a domestic and, and an international terrorist type of setting nowadays so experience goes a long way and if you look at all these folks that are retiring very young 20 years of service I recently uh, read a report although it's a little dated it was from 2011 a study that was done on the New York City Police Department out of 35,000 active law enforcement 860 uh, had more than 20 years on the job as the, in the rank of officer. So if you break that uh, down into percentages, it's nothing. That means people are running out the door as soon as the alarm goes off. They're gone. They're out of there. They don't want to be a part of it anymore. And that's sad. And we feel that there is a role, an important role, that retired law enforcement aid officers can fulfill in agencies in areas of, of cruciality, and one of them is cold cases, homicides. What better uh, person uh, to have somebody working with you on a cold case uh, that's you know, 20, 30 years ago, and you get somebody that's retired on a part-time basis to come in and help with that concept. It's not a new concept. It's going on. I know the Los Angeles Sheriff's Office has been doing it for a good while. And that should carry on. Uh, that expertise, it goes a long way. And that's what we're trying to market. That's what we're trying to bottle. That's, that's the product we're trying to sell. That knowledge. How do you obtain knowledge? The school of hard knocks. You can't learn it. You can read a curriculum, but it's not teaching you anything until you obtain knowledge, experience. And you go through it. And once you go through that, then you become knowledgeable. Prior to that, you just book smart. That's all. Turn two is four. Look at that. Learned that, I think, second grade. Never forgot it. But that life lived experience is what an agency, a community, will flourish. Uh, other areas that we can use that resource, uh, as I said earlier in other podcasts, is uh, traffic enforcement, uh, correctional aid, 
processing in, in, in jail, releasing in jails. And, and we discussed uh, some other areas as well. And we, we discussed what the problem would have been and what is. And that is, <laughs> no, no. See, in our agency, you, we don't do that. Or, or and I, was, I wish we could, but once you retire, you're gone. See, um, our, our agency, you have to be uh, 37 and a half or younger to be in here. And this box thinking, they're, they're inside a box. They won't think outside that box. It's what's going to kill us. We have to rethink the wheel. We're, we're shooting ourselves in the foot here. The problem is getting bigger. Recently saw a National Institute of Justice study where police uh, officers and correctional officers, the ranks, are, um, I think police is somewhere in the area of 800,000. They predict that to go to a million. Corrections, 500,000, 600,000, somewhere in that. And they predict that to go up as well. Over a hundred thousand, but here's the problem that exists within uh, both of these entities in law enforcement. They're playing catch up because during the Reagan years, that's right. I went there. I'm going in the political circle. President Ronald Reagan boomed the economy, and jurisdictions made all of a sudden a lot of money. It came out of nowhere, and it flourished, and there was huge amounts of hiring in the mid to late 80s. Those people have moved on. And now they're trying to recap, where do we get all this personnel? They're always playing catch-up, always. You know, you have an academy class, and we'll break this down real in simplistic terms, 20 people in an academy class. And by the time they go through the academy training, five to six months, and they pin the badge on them, and they go out there to serve. All of a sudden, 20 came in, 12 just left. We're always playing catch-up. And there has to be another uh, infusion of the economy to get these uh, local communities, counties, states, all of a sudden to get these people. Now we are running the state of, hate the police, hate law enforcement. And the media is doing an excellent job in their subservient uh, attitude towards the left and perpetuating hate towards law enforcement as well as creating an atmosphere that always puts officers in a bad light. So great job, media. Keep on with your common, your Bolshevik attitude. Uh, you'll ruin this country if you continue going and you'll achieve the goal that you're trying to do. But while they're fooling around with the footage, agencies still have to hire. And a lot of people are more reluctant than ever because of crime in on law enforcement officers, beating on them, uh, shooting them. Uh, funerals are, uh, are more and more prevalent now, shootings and so forth. So we've got to find the pool. Where do we find the resources to, to fulfill our, our borders here in this country, the inside of, 
of this country. How do we defend it? And the retired folks we know would be an excellent plug-in. Got nothing against our security folk friends. Some of them do come uh, from law enforcement backgrounds. But uh, the next time that you do come in contact with one of them uh, and you see them, just look at them. Ah! Look at the, their appearance. Look at that duty belt. Look at the weapon they're carrying. And you're going to say to yourself, is this person mentally and physically prepared to carry out the duties in pulling out its weapon to defend life and do it accurately. And that's what it all boils down to. If you look at the little country of Israel, and it has many, many enemies out there, they train their law enforcement officers and their military, they train security. Because the way that their resource works is that the security personnel are to withstand whatever attack is coming for that short period of time until the forces get there. We're not there. We have huge holes all over ours. So retired folks bring in knowledge, skill, aptitude, ability, and we need to tap into that in order to secure our country. So that's a hot topic. We're putting that on the shelf and every opportunity as we build our podcast wow. library, we will go ahead and throw that at somebody that can help us with that agenda. We need these retired folks that are willing to do it, come on in and help these agencies um, with their force. So important. Today's show, we're going to look at that that rate of death. Uh, you know, when I was in the academy, it was always stated that uh, once you retire, uh, you got five years and then you'll probably be dead. <laughs> and that was it. I mean, that, that, that beat you over the head with that. And you really don't understand it when you're 20-something years old. But as you get older, you do. And... Now, they're really, the National Institute of Justice is really getting in there, rolling up its sleeves and doing studies. And they did one on the Buffalo Police Department in Buffalo, New York, on a study of uh, officers from 1950, um, of course retired, into 20, I believe, 2016. And they compared them to white males in Buffalo, New York. That was the case study that was a scientific case study that was done. And they put female police officers in the pool, but they could not really diagnose it too well because there wasn't enough of them and so forth. So there's a little political spin there from the National Institute of Justice. Um, but here, what they basically look at is the... There's always been this thought process that the reason that you may die from after law enforcement and you retire, not only of old age, but a sudden death or a death that he was so young and he 
he died so quick. Now, how do you compare that to other careers and other professions to say that law enforcement is up on the top? Well, one of the studies that the National Institute of Justice said is it's not so much an inactivity from when you retire to doing nothing. You're actually killing yourself while you're working. Let me repeat that for our folks that are easily distracted and can't pay attention to the radio. (laughs) Are actually killing yourself while working. And one of the studies that they did was on sleep deprivation and on working in the midnight shift and how that sleep deprivation, you know, average of five hours a day they were working on, they started to notice that those individuals that were dying were dying sooner because during their career, this was the shift that they were working the most and the deprivation of sleep was prevalent, obviously, where they were working because they were doing doubles and and working midnights and working off-duty and everything else that's out there. And that was putting a nail in the coffin every time. And, of course, it'll be a little longer before these things start becoming academical in the academies to educate officers as they come in. And you would have to attack greed. Some of our folks have to have 96 hours of uh, work and overtime uh, pay period. Sorry, they just don't care. But are they killing themselves? And the study is, uh, as I said, done by the National Institute of Justice. Is It's very uh, nicely done. It was done by, well, the author is John M. Volenti, Ph.D., and uh, I will link that on lpoliceradio.com, the actual study, probably about a couple hundred pages or so. So I, I guess uh, nice reading for the weekend. But it talks about post-traumatic syndrome, cause of it. Yes, of course, what you went through in your career, uh, your diet, of course, Exercise, of course. And I saw these other issues that they were putting in there as far as the mobility rate or death rate of retired officers, comparing them to the active ones. And, you know, they had issues in there of cancer and, and different minority groups. And all those things are factored into this study, which is fantastic. But what really struck out to me was shift work. So, you know, you might work for an agency that may pay you a certain percentage more to work that midnight shift. Well, they're not doing it out of the generosity of their freaking heart. They're doing it because there's a reason to do it. And maybe a, a, a one of the reasons is that motivation to go ahead and do it but are you walking into something that might hurt you in the future and are we actually to believe that well you know 
that mobile that death rate uh, you know that was 30 years ago how can it affect me today well it can affect you in a lot of ways so we've linked this study on our website we found it very curious and we're really I was really curious uh, had a lot of curiosity on there so I really started diving into the midnight shift issue and it talked about uh, uh, sun, sunlight, uh, that type of thing, uh, more exposure to it. Now, here's a factor. You work on the midnight shift. You go home. You you got to get a couple hours sleep, five hours or less. People are basically doing, according to the study. And now all of a sudden, you're fighting with noise out in the street and so forth because people <laughs> are out about working. Your neighbor's got to cut the lawn, especially when you're the most tired. And all of a sudden, these things are taking a toll on you. And the toll that it's taking on you is a huge one. And as a result, it's slowly chipping away at other things and other issues that are going to happen to you in the future. So how do I, how do I prevent it? You know, so after I'm reading this thing, and I'm saying to myself, okay, the study sounds very interesting. And and again, as I said, well, I'll post it on lpoliceradio.com and you can take a look at it for yourself. But how do I prevent it? Well, some of it's going to have to call for a change, right? An action, a plan of action. So maybe I'm going to have to start getting off the midnight shift. Maybe I'm going to have to start dealing less with stress. And the New York City study that I spoke about, 35,000 officers and 860 of them had 20 or more years on the, on the job. It, it showed that a lot of them did not seek higher uh, positions in the uh, organization and NYPD. And that was the example we're using because they felt that it was very more stressful for them and they were comfortable where they were at. So these are a lot of career issues and a lot of mental health has to go into some of these decisions. So do I just treat law enforcement as a regular day job or do I really focus and say, I gotta make these career changes now affect my longevity in the future what percentage uh, of these decisions will help me or what percentage will hurt me and it's decisions all boil down to personal choices you know you work in these environments that are less than ideal you choose to do it at the time because you're young and stupid and are there consequences in the future? Of course they are. And you have to assume those responsibilities. But um, education is power. Knowledge is power. And the more we look into these things and we dwell into them, the, the better that we will be in making our decisions that will help us. Do I want to go up in rank? Should I get off the midnight shift earlier? When should I work these these? tours of duty and if I do work the midnight shift uh, should I uh, seek to sleep longer that means less overtime than I'm going to have to work 
and some agencies have really tried to control officers and how much overtime they work when they're active. And they basically say you can only work so many hours until you really, your level of efficiency drop. And in this study, it talks about officers on the midnight shift having less reaction time than other officers on other shifts. And a lot of what I'm saying might not seem too outdated to you. And you might have thought about, well, any idiot would know that because you're tired. But when you have the National Institute of Justice putting it on paper, that means we're going somewhere with this. And I, I think it needs to be looked at, studied, and policies have to be implemented for the safe well-being of officers. And if that means you got to rotate some folks out and move them around, then so be it. Um, again, infantile stage, we're still very young in all this. So it's going to be a while before we kind of figure it out. Now, we have a hunch that midnight shift is a killer. I don't know too many people that wanted to do it. I worked 20 years on the afternoon shift, which for all intents and purposes is probably the busy, busiest shift or tour on any law enforcement circuit, um, whether it's police or corrections. And the reason for that is uh, all the bad guys usually get up and scratch their rear end at, after 2 p.m. And um, they sleep like babies during the day. And so you have a high level of calls for service in the afternoon. So I chose to work that uh, for 20 years of my career. And again, not knowing any better, um, I just like the fast pace better than the slow pace. It's just me. That was my personal preference. So we need to look at this. Now, we have a hot topic, and our hot topic is law enforcement officers retire. Should they get back in the workforce? And if they are, what shifts are they working? Now, can you imagine working 30 years, and then after a while you, you decide to get back in the, in the circus, and you put on the uniform again, and you're going to work on a part-time basis or whatever angle. And they go, Joe, you know, we got a good position for you on the midnight shift. Would that affect you? I don't know. Can you do it? I don't know. But we need to look at it. And if you're out there, you know, we we want to promote the hot topic, but we don't, we don't want to kill people in the process either. And... There are choices in all of this. Agency have to have choices, and they have to have um, entry proficiency skills. And because I wore the uniform for 30 years doesn't mean I could be at that standard. There was one um, article I read. It was actually an article. And I'm not going to get into where I read it and all that. But basically, the article sums up at the end that law enforcement is a young man's or young person's, I don't want to offend anybody, uh, young person's game. And it's for people of more advanced age, it's, it shouldn't be. 
And I think that that is wrong. I think it's in everybody's game. And you can help out at different angles and different areas um, to make the team uh, obtain its goal. So there is not just one age group that's going to make law enforcement better. So I disagreed with the article. Thank God here in the state of Florida there's no age discrimination. It's a great uh, leadership that we had back in the days of Claude Pepper that he kind of ensured that you couldn't do, discriminate against old folks. And we said it on a prior podcast. If you're 80 years old and you want to wear a uniform and you can do all the things that you're required to do and do them well, then more power to you. Oldest living police officer in the United States, Leo Thalassides, Hialeah Police Department, part-time lieutenant, and uh, probably in, in way in his 90s. And um, don't know if he's still active as I speak today, but he's been active uh, for over 50, 60 years. Nobody ever told him he could not do the job. And at advanced age of 80, he was stronger than some of the young recruits. Kept physically fit his whole career. And we'll post some things on, on Leo Thalassides on lpoliceradio.com to go to show you that if you are advanced in age, could you do the job? And, and, and you could. I think the most difficult part for older law enforcement personnel is the acceptance of the younger generation as their leaders. You can't go around and say, I know it all. You have to have that humble spirit and listen to, even though, you know, you can do the math real quick. You know, uh, when I was wearing a uniform, you weren't even born. Or I got socks older than you. That's not the logic here. I think you have to have that humble spirit. It's not your game. You're here. You're running support. You're a part of the team, but you're not running the team. Your era of running the team is over. And I think that all retirees have to kind of accept that at some point. And, uh, you know, retirees, and they get back in, in, the, in the run of things, they want to talk about yesteryear. And a lot of that stuff has value. But a lot of it doesn't. Because it's a whole different game. The game changes. You know, I've always said if you take six weeks off and you come back, you come back to your new game. So imagine uh, being out in, you know, a year and you come back. People that you don't know are in the agency now. They just got hired and young people are now supervisors and, and so forth. And that's another issue with a lot of agency. Very young personnel are the leadership. And there's been placed into question their ability to lead their agency because they have little or no experience. But that's a whole different topic. Got to drink coffee when you're doing podcasting. It's a must. So we continuously look at 
the, our hot topic and on this series that's the hot topic we're going to roll with and I would like to see a little bit more activity from lead agencies when I mean lead I'm talking about if you're a major player in the law enforcement field move this hot topic within their local communities of getting retired folks back in the ranks at some part-time level and thinking out of the box. I believe our second uh, episode on You're Done, we discussed, or actually it was our first episode, we discussed one of the obstacles to this theory, and that is our friends over at the union. Why? Well, they don't like to think out of the box. Wait a minute, you can't augment the workforce with all these old goofs taking over. You know, Joey can't make $200,000 this year on overtime. And and listen, I think there's plenty of it, uh, of overtime and off duties and so forth to become generous and good-hearted for a lot of people. And I'm sure contracts can be worked out where there's no uh, replacing the active workforce. But I think it's a topic that needs to be looked at. It's for a national security. It's um, how, how uh, whatever level of ridiculous you think this might be, I don't. And if, if the people that know me know that I do my homework, I've always been known to do my homework. And this is a subject that I've done my homework on. And tapping into that resource is a national security issue. So I think that the unions can come on board, and I encourage the unions to come on board and kind of factor this in how can they do this. Other than trying to charge old guys dues money, how can it work? Now, of course, these unions, we're not in the business to tell our agencies how to run. No, you're not. But you can be part of the solution and not the problem by encouraging something that can work. It's not easy trying to get through through law enforcement leaders on a new concept that they've never dealt with and all of a sudden that they have to all of a sudden think about. And they go into risk management issues with what if, what if. What, what if December 25th my doorbell rings and it's freaking Santa Claus? I've been lied to all this freaking time. What if? But w- until it happens, roll with the punches. Learn how to adjust, overcome, deal with these issues, and make stop building walls around the concept, but build the concept. Okay? And move forward, forward. And it can happen. But it takes guts. Anything that you do in any agency, if you're out there listening, for you to make change in your agency, it takes guts. Because the normal reaction of any leader in your agency is going to be the word, no. Simple. No, I don't want to do that. No, no. Take a risk? Are you, are you serious? <laughs> I'm good. That's the problem. But in the segment that we're leading into, that we're going to 
jump into the Ivy League of domestic terrorism? We'll tell you who's running your agencies. You'll be surprised to hear some of these issues. And I think law enforcement, more than ever, needs to take an aggressive role in the development of their agencies for the future. Now, the subservient one, of course, they listen to the rule of law. Of course, they listen to the structure of rank. But they need to become a little bit more aggressive in what works and what doesn't work to get rid of it. You know, I can't stand to see demonstrations and officers walking around with their finger up their rear end because they're told to stand down. And we'll leave it at that. We'll roll into the Ivy League of Domestic Terrorism next podcast. The conversation, these studies, everything that they're talking about out there, that you can die if you were working the midnight shift earlier than if you weren't, and post-traumatic and the things that you've dealt with, the things that you've seen in your career, all that have an effect on your health as well as it has an effect on the possibility of an earlier death. Well, the scripture tells me that we don't know when it's time to go, but that the Lord know, knew me, knew you, before we were conceived. Therefore, he knows when that time is. I should not be worried about something I can't control. It's time to go. It's time to go. Can't be frustrated over the date. But what I do know that if my faith carries me to believe and trust in the living God, the God that will protect me, the God that will care for me, the God that will give me eternal life. If I believe in that God with all my heart and with all my soul, when that day comes, it comes in glory because since I believe, he delivered. I can't say it any better than that. If you don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ, I encourage you to look for it. I encourage you, as I've never encouraged you on anything else, with such strength that now is the time to pick up the scripture. Now is the time to start reading. Now is the time to start believing. It's getting worse and worse out there, my friends. He is the answer. Next podcast, the Ivory League of Domestic Terrorism. It's been my pleasure to be your host, Alpha Mike on El Police Radio. You can listen to us on ElPoliceRadio.com every Thursday. Turn on that computer. New podcast. Catch you soon. Be safe. Be blessed. And I'm out.
three, two, sorry, thirteen twenty two.